Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we're talking to Ron Stefanski of One Hour Professor, and he has been going on kind of a monster campaign for guest posting, and I'm taking a look at his HREF's uh, summary here, and his domain rating is 74, but in early to mid-2020, it was about 50 or so is pretty high, but you know, only about 50. And what he's been able to do is really skyrocket his traffic in a dramatic way. And more importantly than traffic is actually the income. So in mid 2020, he was earning an okay amount, you know, 500 bucks on average or so. And he does publish income reports, which you could check out their trajectory. But the last two months, at least the time that we're recording this in January of 2022 and December of 2021, he made over $10,500, which is pretty amazing. And we're going to dig into the details of this guest posting campaign. So Ron, how are you doing today? Hey, Doug, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing good. And uh, we talked about this before, but I'll apologize. You know, if I go on mute for a second, I had a weird little cough going, but I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. Not COVID, I hope. No, no, just, I don't know. Something with my throat, but I think we'll be all right. Perfect. So congratulations on the progress that you made on your site. I know it took a lot of hours and it took a lot of effort and we're going to dig into all the details. So... When you started on this, I'm just curious, had you done a big guest posting campaign like this in the past? Did you have a lot of experience with it? No. Um, one of my websites I had in the past, I did like, I don't even know, probably like six to eight different guest posts total um, for that one. And I honestly didn't really see much of a lift from it. But uh, what happened was in, well, man, all these years with COVID, it all kind of meshes together, right? So I think it was, um, I think it was 2020, uh, my wife, I believe it was 2020, maybe 2019, but my wife had mentioned, hey, you should build your personal brand, you should go on YouTube. I basically did a whole year of YouTube. And then um, near the end of that, I was getting burnt out on YouTube. And because kind of at the same time, I was trying to do my website and YouTube at the same time. Um, and then kind of near the end, I said, you know what, YouTube's really uh, exhausting. So I decided to really focus on guest posting at that point. Um, so no, I didn't really have, you know, much, much experience in the past. I had saw other people who had done it that had some success with it. And I figured, hey, let's give it a shot and, and see if it actually works. And I was going to say, you know, your domain rating, like I mentioned, was like 50 some odd. I mean, you had good links going to your site through years of blogging and, and publishing your income reports. Those all got a pretty good amount of attention. And you would think like the common wisdom is a domain rating of 50 or higher is extremely high. I mean, that that's fantastic, especially the kind of links that you had since they weren't, you know, crappy links that you purchased. They yeah. were all usually pretty good links from good brands and good websites. So when you were setting out, did you think, hey, I'm going to try to get a certain number? Or did you have a specific goal? I guess I, I, I'm just curious about that. Or you were just like, hey, I'm going to put some systems in place and move in this general direction. So the the whole... The whole idea was, you know, like um, the Neil Patels out there and and um, what's his name? Brian Dean, I think. Becklinko, Brian Dean, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they had talked about like in the past about uh, podcast link building where you're just going on different podcasts and getting links that way. And I thought, well, that's cool and all, um, but podcasting requires me to be there for an hour and it can take, you know, it, it can get kind of difficult to schedule that all up. So I basically started off just kind of thinking like, hey, they've been doing it. They grew their sites to really high authority. Let's just go with it, right? It was like kind of the idea. And it was more or less, um, I had a, you know, at that point I had somewhat of a reputation. Like you said, my domain authority, I think it was like 51 or something when I started 50, somewhere in the low 50s, like you said. And then I basically wanted to try to find a way to increase my own authority, you know, in, in large publications, ones that people actually know. You know, um, so that was kind of the idea at first was just, hey, can I get featured in some of these uh, industry leading blogs to have people know more about me and to establish more credibility? Right. Um, and that was kind of the idea. I didn't really have 
I still don't even have like a set number of, hey, let's do X amount of blog posts and stop there. Um, it was kind of just where I started off and said, hey, let me try to secure some some blog posts from some high-end publications and then see how momentum is going, see if everything's working. It's been working, so I just keep going. So, yeah, I don't really have an end goal in mind. Perfect. Okay, and we're going to get into all the details. You did outsource pieces of it, and I, I'm going to – you and I, Ron, are pretty good friends. We've talked for – dozens of hours. We've known each other for a few years. I'm going to make fun of you for a second here. So you said that taking one hour to do a podcast seemed like a lot. How fucking long does it take to write a guest (laughs) post? That logic is completely flawed. Uh, So I'll let you retract your statement or change it. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll defend it. So (laughs) the idea that the thing about a, uh, about a podcast is Um, first off, I never did the podcast circuit, so to speak, where you go to all these different podcasts and you pitch yourself. And honestly, I don't love selling. I just, I used to do it professionally. I just don't like it. I don't like pushing myself onto people. I'd rather someone reaches out to me and then I respond. I'd much rather that. Um, so that was one part of it. The other part of it was, uh, podcasts when you're on them, you have to be there. You have to be present for an hour And, you know, that sort of thing. And then you just had to build that relationship, too, which is kind of time consuming. Not to say blog guest blog posts aren't time consuming. They definitely are. But the difference was that I could write a blog post at 830 at night on a Thursday night whenever I wanted to work. It was more about like the freedom of doing what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. Um, So that was a really big part of that. But yeah, uh, guest blogging definitely, um, especially in the beginning. I think you remember. I mean, I had dark circles under my eyes for months uh, in the beginning because I was really having a hard time because uh, it was tough because I wanted to, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure. I wanted to outsource some of it to get some help, but it was really difficult because I didn't have the money from this project to be able to outsource. So I basically had to grind and grind and grind. And and I know that is a key portion. Once you're able to outsource it, then yep. you can buy back your time. So I, I know some people were yelling at their, uh, you know, their headphones like, Doug, you're missing the point. So I, I do realize that I was just yeah. having a little fun there. The other portion is as a pod uh, podcaster, I basically don't take pitches anymore. So I, actually, I think I may have deleted a pitch from someone that I know because it came through a marketing company because I just, I, I don't have time to filter through. You know what? I have time to filter through, but I'm not going to. So if someone knows me and they email me, that's cool. If they come through a marketing company, I automatically question their, like what they're doing and why they're working with a marketing company instead of treating me like a person. And it it means they're going on a campaign and I don't want to talk to people that are going on a campaign for a podcast. So that's a little side note. So, so what you just said too, I mean, we've talked plenty of times. What you just said too is like, do I really want to, because anybody that's, you know, any podcast that's really worth approaching they probably, I don't even know an ungodly amount of pitches every day, I'm sure. So, you know, that's kind of the, the big deal with that too. But, you know, who says that after I've been guest posting in all these different places, then I can turn around and say, hey, I've been featured here, 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 here. I'm yeah. making X amount. I have my own community. Now can I be on, you know, so maybe that's in the future, but not at this point. So how many guest posts did you get total? 200, I think we said right before the call here, I think it was 252. I think I said 252 total guest posts. Uh, yeah, since I started. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. And I am curious how you set out getting started. So you mentioned you already had some backlinks, you already had name recognition. So what were some of the early days like before you hired people to help you out? What what were you doing? What was the pitch like? Yeah. So before I even started, the thing I started to do is I looked at, and I didn't have many commissions, um, but I did have some commissions, affiliate commissions, I should say, to certain uh, products or businesses. So the first thing I did is reach out to them um, and basically said, hey, I've sold some of these products and kind of not begged, but kind of said like, would you guys be willing to have me as a guest on your blog? And that had some success, not a ton, um, but did have a little bit of success. So I, I did that. I relied on my personal network um, of people that I know as well, which was helpful. Um, that's where the name recognition and the brand comes in. But I wouldn't say that was exceptionally helpful either. It was more or less both of those kind of started me off and I started to get a little bit 
to where, and I don't even know, that could have been like five to 10 posts, right? So then after that, it was a matter of, okay, well, anytime anybody approaches me to get a link or anytime anything like that happens to where I'm, I'm getting approached by a brand, I'm going to try to figure out a way to see if I can somehow guest post on their, on their site. Um, so I started to do that a little bit and it really started slow. Um, and then, uh, after I had probably those first like five or 10, what I started to do. And it's funny because my old logic was if somebody asks for a guest post, you never want to guest post there. Like if they say we accept guest posts, you never want to guest post there because everybody can do it. That was the old idea. It's actually totally contradictory to what I do now. Um, now I always looked to make sure, and we can talk about how you figure out if the site's good or not, but I always look to make sure that the site is reputable in the sense of, you know, the links that they have, that sort of stuff to make sure it's good. And if it is, and they do accept guest posts, then what I try to do is I will try to um, email and contact the, um, the editors directly, as opposed to just, you know, they have, uh, I'm not sure how much, you know, all the listeners have done this, but when you try to do a guest posting, uh, you know, placement anywhere, a lot of places, they'll just have a page and then they'll have a form you know, like fill this out, send us your article. Good luck. You know? And that's like, to me, that just, it isn't even worth it because it just gets submitted into a black hole and you have no idea. And then you spent all this time writing a guest post. So what I tried to do is connect with the editors so that I could actually pitch two to three ideas, get one approved and then actually write it. Because at least that way, um, even if they didn't publish it, and that happens sometimes, it's not often, but that does happen sometimes. Even if they don't publish it, then at least I have a pretty good article that I can y- then use in another outlet um, is really the big thing. So yeah, that's, you know, it started small and then I just started to do um, build up a list of different places that accepted emails and that sort of thing. And I've just kind of grown from there. In a lot of these sort of campaigns that I've worked on, it starts a little slow. Like you said, you maybe get the first five or so, maybe that took a month to get the first, you know, two or three, and then you slowly ramp it up. Is that kind of what you did too? I mean, it was a little while before you hit your stride. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd say like, I think I did like five, like I said, five to 10 was kind of a mix of just various, you know, just kind of being scrappy. Right. Uh, and you know, friends or affiliate or whatever, whatever, someone who outreaches to me, anything. Uh, and then after I got those five to 10, then I started to do more actual outreach because then I had proof, right. Then it was like, I could say, Hey, I've been featured here, here, and here. It's really tough in the beginning. Cause you don't have a place that you can be fe- You've never been featured, you know? So you kind of had to start lower. So I was lucky in that I had a few contacts that helped you, you as one of them, you know, that was willing to, to, uh, let me post and stuff. So because of that, I was then able to leverage that and say, Hey, I've been featured here, here, here. So then on the outreach, it was better. And then after the outreach happened, it got a lot easier because then I started to build more and more and more over time. So, okay. And after you started getting a few guest posts, did your ranking skyrocket or when did you start to notice that all this work was paying off? Uh, I wouldn't say it definitely wasn't right away. I would say I'm trying to think back here, probably after like, probably after about a month and a half to two months, I started to notice, um, because you got to remember too, I didn't, I, I didn't have a ton of SEO optimized content on one hour professor, my site. So a lot of the content that, um, you know, was getting pushed up in the rankings, the little amount of traffic that I had, it wasn't even that valuable content. It was like, cause I, I kind of came from the idea of like, you know, this is a blog. That's how this was in the past. It was a blog, me talking about my thoughts, my musings, those sort of stuff. And then what ended up happening is I realized like, Hey, if I'm going to build this into my own brand, I have to focus a little bit more on software. Um, I have to focus on blogging stuff, things that are SEO, you know, centric. So I didn't see a huge traffic spike, but I did start to see some stuff creep up. Um, and then in my guest post, I was linking to some of that new content that I was creating. And then it just kept kind of compounding on itself. So yeah, probably about a month and a half to two months, I'd say overall. This message is brought to you by Otis Global. That's O-D-Y-S dot global. The source for premium age domains with powerful backlinks. And they have a great filtering system. So you could you know, filter by industry, by language, top level domain, traffic, and the SEO value, which 
amounts to the domain rating and the domain age and referring domains, a few other things like that. The feature domain for today is jackalopejobs.com. And this one's, um, you know, a little bit younger than some of the sites that we've been looking at in the recent weeks here. It is about four years old and it used to be a job portal that utilize social networks to find jobs. And with remote work being more popular than ever, I think it would be a great area to look into, especially the fact that you have the uh, use of social networks to help you find a job. There are links from some pretty amazing sources out there. When I look at uh, the number of referring domains, there are 134 total and 116 of those are do follow. The domain rating is 18 currently, and some of those awesome domains are places like businessinsider, texas.gov, mashable.com, businessinsider.com.au, financialpost, smartbrief.com, gus.com, tent.com, and a bunch of other awesome domains. I think it would be very interesting to set up some informational type topics to help people find jobs and give tips on potentially working remotely. And you could just kind of orient the whole thing towards uh, jobs and online work. And one, one thing you could do is sort of consolidate information from other areas, from other websites, and you can lean on the social aspect that the site had before. So I would think it's one that you could certainly check out. And trying to see if there's any other great information. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that the the Majestic ratings are 11 and 23, respectively. And the Maz is 31 and 34 for domain authority and uh, the page authority as well. So it's still indexed in Google and worth checking out. Like I mentioned before, this one's a little bit cheaper, um, listed at $2,160, $2,160 over at Jackalope Jobs. So thanks a lot to Otis. If you join using my affiliate link, you can get $100 into your account and get started quick with a premium age domain. When you started publishing the, really it's affiliate focused content, right? That's where most of the revenue yep. comes from. Yes. When did you start publishing that? Was it a few months after you started the guest post campaign? I think, I think I actually started it around the same time, if not a little bit earlier, because the idea was if I'm going to do guest posting, it probably was around the same time, but the idea was if I'm going to do guest posting, um, I don't just want to keep linking to my homepage, right? Because if you link to your homepage, I mean, that's great and all, and that gets you authority and such, but um, great, you rank for your own brand name, right. you know, like that doesn't do much. So the idea was, if I'm going to do guest posting, I need to have some content that I can, uh, you know, actually point links to from the guest posts. That was kind of the idea. Perfect. And I'm displaying the graph and people can follow along and look this up on Hrefs if they want yeah. to and see, you know, traffic really jumped in, a, you know, pretty quick fashion. But as we're saying, it, it took a little while for things to get going. And I remember some of the conversations that we had, you're like, man, I'm working so hard and it's like, it's kind of helping, but like, it's not a corresponding lift for the amount no. of effort that you're putting in. And eventually yeah, I, it, it did catch up. So let's start talking about the kind of mechanics of finding a site to pitch. I know at some point you probably were looking at sites that were only more authoritative than your own to, to really you know boost things. And then how do you identify whether or not a site is good? So kind of, kind of all mixed in together and you could talk about how it progressed over time. I'm sure you refined it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I do want to say one quick thing before we move on from the traffic too, just cause I, I think it's worth mentioning. So I used to be kind of obsessed with, Hey, let's grow the traffic. Let's grow the traffic. I'm not like that anymore. Now I'm like, let's rank the right articles that bring me money. If traffic follows great. And that has really helped my revenue more, which is the most important metric to me, right? Like traffic's cool, but, um, yeah. To, okay. So to your, your point there. So, um, in terms of in the beginning and kind of how I looked at it. So 
my whole thought in the beginning was um, if I can get, you know, uh, sites with a domain rating above 70 was kind of just my focus. I don't really have a reason more or less uh, or uh, reasons except the fact that it was like, this is probably just going to lift my site and its authority because my domain rating was like a 50 at the time, right? So I mostly focused on that in the beginning. That was really where I was. And my thought was if any site has a better domain rating than I do, let me guess post. That was kind of the idea because if they're better than I am, then obviously that's going to be a good thing for my, my whole link profile. So that was originally how I had started it. Now at this point, basically what I focus on is a domain rating of 50 or above. That's kind of where I'm at. And that's not because it's not like I've exhausted every guest posting opportunity out there. Right. Um, but I have exhausted a lot of them, not all of them. And I've really, uh, done a lot of prospecting and things. Well, I should say my team has to help with that. So when I had started out, uh, kind of going back a little bit, when I had started out, I built a list of, um, all the different sites that basically said that they were willing to accept guest posts. Right. And I, if you're wondering how did I compile that list? I didn't, I had my virtual assistant do it. She did a bunch of research. It was just research. It was just going into Google, you know, taking lists, combining them all together, scrubbing out the duplicates, that sort of stuff. After that, then, um, we used uh, hunter.io to find the emails and to also try to find the right people. We used uh, LinkedIn to try to find the right people as well. Um, and we were pretty successful in that. I won't say that we've found the right person at all times. That's definitely not true, but we've tried to kind of like find the right people, uh, using those two methods, um, and built that list up over time to where it was, I don't even remember how many hundreds we had probably seven or 800 different targets, um, overall. And that was just through all that research. Um, and we really worked on that for quite some time and I have gotten it now to the point to where. Um, it's cool because I can say if we start low, running low on, on guest posts, like for right now, I'm booked up. I have three guest posts booked every single week until the middle of April. And we are starting uh, March. So that gives people an idea. So I already have what, like 15 or something like that or 18 um, posts kind of secured. So it started that way. And then what was your other part of the question? I don't remember. No, no idea. <laughs> I tried to. Th I well, I know you were talking about that. How I did it, I don't remember. That's I wish all right. Remind this. So <clears throat> basically, it was around like selecting the site. So you got a big list. It sounds like um, you had your VA just research, probably using the normal footprints that people look for sites and stuff like that. Is there any further analysis other than the domain rating? I've heard some people look at the number of incoming and outgoing backlinks, for example, and some other metrics just to make sure it's a quality site. Did you look any farther or you just look at the domain rating? That was your other question. Uh, yeah, so now I remember. So uh, in the beginning, I didn't really know what to look for exactly. Now I do know what to look for much better. So when I look into uh, different sites now, I'll look at the domain rating on Ahrefs. Um, of course, that's like the first thing that I'll look at just to see where they are. But the thing is, is that domain ratings can easily be skewed and people may not. Wow. You got to hold on a second, Doug. Sorry. My cat is just going nuts. Hold on one second. She always jumps in in the middle of these calls. Sorry. So right, that's um, perfect. Very professional. We're, we're yeah. going to leave it in too. That's all right. What's your cat's name? It is Peyton. And she legitimately only comes on every time that I do any call or interview. It's, it's amazing, her timing. Um, but yeah, so sorry about that. So yeah, so it starts with domain rating, uh, and I really focus on that, but that can be easily manipulated. So usually what I'll do is the first thing I'll do is look at the referring domain list uh, in Ahrefs. And when I talk about all these tools and things I do, it's always Ahrefs for me, you guys. Um, so I'll go into Ahrefs, and I'll look at their referring domains. If you see a ton of Google referring domains with like, you know, domain rating 80, 90 and all the different like Google.nz or what? Uh, yeah, nz.ca, all these different Google. I don't even know how people do it, to be honest with you, but I do know that it's BS. It's, it's not legitimate uh, ranking. So I always look at that first just to kind of see um, where they're getting their, their links from. If there isn't anything really suspicious there. Then what I'll do is I'll say, okay, great. And then I will look at their, um, using Ahrefs, I'll look at their outbound anchor text and I will search for casino 
I will search for gambling and I will search for CBD. Those are the three things that I search for. If they have outbound anchor text that is casino, CBD, or gambling, they either accepted payment or they, you know, have some type of situation going on to where they're out, you know, linking up onto those. If they have one or two, I'll click into the article to see what it is. No big deal. But if they have a ton of them, I won't touch the site because it's just like I don't want to be associated with sites that are doing that stuff. Um, and then the other thing that I'll look at, I've, I've in the beginning, I didn't really do this as well. But now, especially I have any site that, you know, you look in the top navigation and it's like health, beauty, lifestyle, you know, uh, I don't know, fitness, like it's totally generalized and it's like a news type of site, like todaysnews.com. It has all these different uh, categories on the top. I avoid all those too, because they're not really niche specific. Most of the time, those are the ones that will at some point accept a payment, uh, things like that. So I try to stay away from those as much as possible as well. Um, but those are the three things that I really focus on. And then the other thing that I use is I use Moz. Um, they have a spam score. It's a, I, I didn't even know it until I started to do this. Um, but it's, it's under the, the Moz tool set. And with a free account, you can get 10 queries. Um, but what I will do, and I don't always have to go in there or whatever, but when I do, I'll go into there and I will copy and paste the URL. And what they do is they'll give you a spam score for the URL that you put in there. And from my understanding, the way that it works is it compares the backlink profile of the site that you're looking at versus the backlink profiles of sites that have been penalized by Google. I don't know how they define that or whatever it may be, but the higher the spam score, the worse uh, of a thing that is. So usually if a spam score is like 1%, 2%, I'm okay with it. But if it's like five above, four above, I'm like, eh, it's not really worth it to me. Um, but yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be careful because with the guest posting stuff, um, you get a ton of people that just come back like, Hey, there's a fee to this. Uh, and then, you know, you get the ones that are just publishing mass publishing a lot of different content, um, from a lot of different places for, you know, a very reasonable fee. And those are the worst ones because they can end up uh, kind of hurting your backlink profile and hopefully not getting you penalized. But if you don't do it right, they could get you penalized. I've tested a lot of guest posting services and, you know, some of them might be, they might look like it is kind of a private blog network situation. Yep. A lot of times they're not. However, a lot of them end up being those sort of general news sites that mass publish in many different areas. And you could, yep. like, if you go look, it looks like no one actually reads any of the content on the site. And there are, you know, many thousands of these. So when I get really good metrics from some of the crappier guest posting services, that's what happens. Like on paper, the metrics look really good, but in reality, it's kind of a crappy site. Sure, they might even get some organic traffic, but usually it's maybe for one or two posts. So that said, do you look at all at the organic traffic or you just have a look at the you know, the three aspects you mentioned for spammy areas. I'm glad you're asking because I forgot organic traffic. <laughs> yes, I do look at organic traffic as well. Um, but I also look at it relative to what the site is, right? So what I mean by that, uh, so like, okay, there are some of those news sites and then you'll see that they have some organic traffic. Like they have, like I've, there's been some that are marketing centric or business centric. And I'm like, well, maybe this one is worth actually getting published on. So what I would do is then I'd look at their traffic and it's, you know, I don't have like a hard number, but if it's five to 10,000 searches a month, then what I'll do is I will go into the actual organic rankings to see, okay, great. You're ranking. What are you ranking for? You know, because that's a good thing. And sometimes you'll get a business one and they're ranking for, you know, Tom Cruise's second house or, you know, it's just stuff that is like the house of celebrities. I've seen that quite a few times. It's like, well, that's great that you have traffic, but that is not helpful to me in any way. So I will look at that. The other point that I want to say is it's relative because um, like in all the guest posts that I've done, sometimes there is like software tools that will allow you to guest post on their blog. Right. Uh, and they may have a domain rating of, I don't know, 60. Let's just call it 60. And it's like, oh, this looks good. And then you look at it and their traffic's like, you know, three, four thousand a month. And some people may see that and say, well, that's really low. I don't think that that's really well. If you go into their organic keywords and you see they're ranking for all things that make sense for their tool the software that they have, 
then yes, it actually probably does make sense to, um, you know, to, to do a guest post there because they're really focused where they should be. Right. Um, my biggest thing is just trying to, trying to stay away from those really generalized sites. And, uh, if you're looking, that's going to be like, it's going to look like the easiest wins, but if everybody else is doing it and everyone's paying to get things published, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's too risky in my opinion. When did you start hiring people to help out? So I know you had a general VA who helped with some of the early research, but when did you bring on other people onto the team and what does the team look like right now? I think it was, maybe you can even help me out with this one. I think it was after like three or four months or so. I remember we had talked about it. It might, it, I'm going to say two to four month range. I'm only going to say that because I really don't remember. Um, but I feel like I was going to blow my brains out. Uh, it was just like, I was, you guys, I was so tired. Like I said, Doug, you had calls with me and I was exhausted because between, I mean, there's a lot that goes into this, especially when you're trying to do it at scale, right? It's not an easy thing to do. Um, at scale, if you're just doing one every couple of weeks, that's fine. Uh, which for people who just have a site or, you know, looking to do it themselves, that's probably fine. But me at one point, I think it was doing four or five a week, uh, guest posts. And then I decided that's just too much. I didn't even want that amount of stress. So, um, I ended up scaling up, like I said, two to four months. And the first thing I did, um, obviously was, so I actually had a writer that was helping me with one hour professor content already. Um, and I'm like ultimately the editor, right? So I would come up with an article brief and say, Hey, this is a template. This is what you need to do. Make notes. I don't do that on most of my other sites. I don't do this, right? Most of the time I just hand it off this particular site because it's in online business is extremely competitive. So you can't just put out bad content. You cannot do it. It doesn't work. So I would be the editor, so to speak, to, to kind of tell them like, Hey, this is what we had to write, hand it over to her review. So she was already doing that. And then I said, hey, um, can I give you more work for guest posts? Are you willing to try this out? Because I'm killing myself over here doing it. And she said yes. So I did end up um, first outsourcing that kind of with a similar idea. Uh, at first, the I call them article briefs. I was making them really, really specific and saying, you know, cover these 10 points and blah, 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 doing really specific. And then her and I had a talk and she's she has a background in marketing and such. So she actually just told me, she's like, can you just like hand me the topic and not be as specific because she's like the way when you make it really specific, it's not the way I do it and it's not the way I'd follow and it makes it tougher on me. So after knowing that, um, I stopped doing that. I just said, okay, here's a really, you know, brief, like a paragraph on what it needs to be. And these would also, just to be clear, these are the pitches that I had gotten approved from the editor, right? So I would go to the editor, get the pitches approved, and then I would just copy and paste the same paragraph that I sent to them so that the, the writer knew. Um, so I started to outsource that. And then, uh, I was originally answering all my emails coming in. Cause again, you gotta remember there's a ton of emails going in and out between me and editors with all this, when I'm submitting content, in addition to all the emails I get every single day of people saying, Hey, will you link to me? Or, Hey, will you do this? Will you do that? So, um, I was really burning the candle on both ends there, um, and answering all those. And then I realized that, uh, I needed someone else to help me in the process, uh, because I was really getting burnt out with answering all these emails, submitting the guest posts, inserting my links into the guest posts, the ones that for the you know pages I'm trying to rank for all that stuff. So that got really exhausting. So then I started to do that, um, and, uh, got that individual on and now he helps actually create the briefs and insert my links and he will do follow-ups with the editors, all that stuff as well. So really at this point, it's my virtual assistant who handles some outreach. And then the other guy that I hired handles the follow-up of the outreach. So, so my VA basically, you know, she works within Mailshake and she'll do the initial outreach and say, Hey, this is how, you know, this is basically the outreach that we're doing to start it. And then he's actually kind of the follow-up, right? And I have a whole system and a spreadsheet and all that, that I use kind of as a CRM tool to manage all this. Cause there's quite a bit. So he manages all that. Uh, the actual follow-up. And then I have my writer and, you know, she handles all the writing for the most part. And I'm in the editing and just kind of the in-between guy, making sure everything's running smooth. So it sounds like three people, including you. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So pretty lean for really how much work you're doing. So were there tasks that you thought you were the only one that could do them and you were reluctant to outsource them? 
Absolutely. Um, the first, the first one that comes to mind was because like I said, I want to do deep linking to my own pages inside of these blog posts. Okay. So I don't, that, that means that I don't want to just link to the homepage. You know, I want to link to these deep pages of blog posts that I've created. So in the beginning it was me inserting all those links and that it sounds really easy, but it does get a little bit difficult because when you're reading through a, let's just call it like a 1500 word blog post, that's going to be a guest post on another site. You have to look at it and you have to mold the content to include the links that you want. So for instance, if I want a link to a page about like my online course platforms, right? Um, that's one of the ones that I rank pretty high in Google. If I were to want to get a link there, I have to read over the content and then think, okay, where can I logically put a link pointing to my own, my own page that will get past editorial review, right? So that wasn't that easy to do. It sounds easy, but it's not. So he had to do that two to three times per post. I was doing that in the beginning. And then I realized like, hey, stupid, just find a good writer and then just give him a list of, hey, these are my priority links. And then he's been able to do that. Um, so that was a big one. The other part is the follow-up. So it'd be great if you just submitted guest posts and they just published them. That'd be a, that'd be a fantasy world. Uh, that would be great if that's how it goes, but that's not how it goes. So many times you post something to an editor, you give it to them, and then it's crickets. You don't hear from them for a week, two weeks. Follow-up is needed. And then that was a thing was, hey, what can I, you know, how can I take myself out of that and make it so that him and I are both managing from the same spreadsheet so that we can understand what's been going on back and forth uh, and then eventually get somebody to do the follow-up for me. That was uh, a really difficult one to outsource because you have to think like me in a way. Um, but he's gotten, especially over time, he's gotten better and better at that. Uh, in the beginning, I kind of had it. I'm like, hey, these are the three typical uh, follow-up messages I'd send, but you can tweak them, you know, like build some rapport along the way, those sort of things, sort of things. And he's been able to do that. So I would say those are probably the two hardest things to outsource when you're doing it at scale, which I am. So has anything bad happened since you gave up control in those two areas? There's been a few little oopsies, uh, you know, a few moments, um, you know, there was specifically the one thing I was having a problem with, was that, like I said, we are trying to find the people on LinkedIn, right? And then connect with them just so that it was like, hey, I'm here too. Uh, it it kind of goes back to what everyone, you've read this for years, like be present, don't just send a cold email, right? Like the intro is, hey, we're connecting on, on LinkedIn first, you know, uh, even if I'm not saying much, we're connecting. So in the beginning, there was times when we try to connect on LinkedIn, which is my virtual assistant doing that. And then this guy that I'm working with would also send a, an email and sometimes the email will go through first. They respond to the email and then they get something on LinkedIn saying, Hey, we haven't talked before. So it was kind of like that weird, you know, that, um, but I've made it on purpose now to where I, I space it out. Right. So like, I, I don't remember how exactly how the workflow goes, but I think I send like the LinkedIn connection and then like we schedule up that email to go out two, three days later. Right. So it's, it's just a different way of doing it. Um, but yeah, there was some stuff there that people were like, we're already connected with you. So some confusing messages happen once in a great while, but when you're doing it at scale, you know, it's not going to be perfect. So I do my best. Uh, but I would, I would say there's like a 99.5% where it needs to be. And then, you know, sometimes things don't go perfect. So I always try to convince people that they can get someone else to do most things. I know we think we're very special <laughs> and we're yeah. like our thought processes are super unique, but usually if you just, you know, write it out, someone else could do like 80% of it. And I was going to say, yeah. it sounds like you're doing awesome. Those are very small little things, but the amount of mental clarity that it has brought you and being able to sleep and not answering all the emails, mm -hmm. you'd probably be okay with a little more waste. And that's the hard part to like convey to people. You have to like let your perfectionist ways go and just know that, hey, it's going to be a little bit more messy, but you're going to have like hours of free time, which is amazing. Yeah. And my, I mean, my mental state is much better because like I said, this is just a very competitive area. So it's very difficult to do what I've been able to do. Um, I, I, I think I've told you numerous times I wouldn't worse, wish it on my worst enemy. Like it's that bad. It was that stressful, that hard to figure out. And I'm very, very glad I was able to my, my end goal, the best thing in the world would be if I could outsource all of my emails. 
Um, and we can talk about this, but now that my domain rating is high, which is something I've never dealt with before, by the way, uh, now that my domain rating is so high, I'm getting so many inbound people contacting me. Hey, you know, will you review our product or, Hey, will you do this? So now I'm having to figure out ways to negotiate and make it so that, you know, I'm getting paid for doing some of that stuff and all that. And that's, that's a whole other level of outsourcing. But if I could outsource my emails, a lot of those responses, that would be like the Holy grail. I'd be able to just, I don't know, because there was times I was working 12, 14 hour days, easy in the beginning, easy. Yeah. And yeah, behind the curtain in some of our conversations, I was like, I want to maybe try to do this. The results that you're getting are amazing. That was probably like one year in because you you started to get some traction, but you weren't getting like super crazy results until a little bit later, like about a year, which is crazy because your blog has been around since like 2014, right? Yeah. But I mean, the other thing with that, you got to remember with my blog, I was literally publishing an income report every month and that was it. I mean, I really wasn't for, for years we're talking, you know? So it's like, it was kind of a dormant blog at the end of the day. So fair enough. But anyway, when you would tell me the, the results, I thought it's amazing. I got to do this. And then I would remember how much work that you put into it and how stressed you were. And I thought, well, it's not, it's not that great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I will say too. So, uh, just to that point. So I'm sure some of your listeners have heard of John Dykstra before. So him and I will randomly talk to each other, uh, through email. And he was talking about his fat stacks blog. He's like, you know, I'm thinking about really focusing on my personal brand and yada, yada, yada. You know, we were having that conversation and he's like, what do you think? We were just kind of, you know, spitballing. I said, don't, <laughs> I was like, you're doing really, cause he's, he does really well with it, with his portfolio sites and things. I said, you're doing really well. Do not put yourself through this. And that wasn't me being like, oh no, another competitor. It was me being a friend because honestly it was brutal doing it at scale. If you're doing a onesie twosie thing, probably not as bad, but if you're trying to do it at scale, like I have, it is absolutely brutal to get that going. What's the breakdown? So I I know in some of the sites that I've had in the past, maybe one or two of the posts would get the majority of the traffic and would represent a huge amount of revenue. So if they dropped in rankings, it was a, it was a huge deal. How much of a traffic spread do you have? Are you in a situation where if one or two of your posts drop in rankings by one position that you'll have a pretty big financial hit? So good news, bad news there. Uh, the good news is, is what I've realized is that not nece- – I mean, you know, there are some posts that are higher traffic than others. And that was my worry was, hey, if I'm number one for one and then it falls, um, you know, it could be the difference of $1,000 a month, right? And that's a big amount. That's that's not like that's nothing. But at this point, I, I just told you before this call, this last month I made I think it was like thirty three, thirty four thousand. 34000 Yes, that hurts, but that's not a huge amount, right? So there are a few posts – that are like that, that are higher earners. Um, but what's been happening over time is that I've realized that a lot of times I don't even know that I'm getting commissions from affiliates until I check, uh, at the end of the month, like this particular month, I didn't know how well I'd do. Um, and I ended up getting some pretty good commissions from affiliates and I, you know, I didn't get emails or anything, so I didn't even know. So it definitely in the beginning was very focused on, you know, a few different posts getting ranked and those can bring me thousands of dollars every month. Now it's getting to the point to where, um, cause I'm doing a lot of individual software reviews in addition. Okay. So like, um, like individual software reviews would be one. I'm trying to think like uh Ezoic, like Ezoic review, right? That would be one. Um, and then roundup reviews would be things like, uh, like best, um, you know, display ad network. That would be another one, right? That would be a roundup. So in the beginning, some of my roundups were really the focus of everything. And if those fell in ranking, it would really hurt. Now it's getting to the point to where I'm doing a lot more of those singular reviews to where it is actually getting spaced out quite a bit to where if one falls, yeah, it'll hurt, but it's not going to sink me, uh, which is a pretty, a pretty good feeling. So, you know, I'd say probably 20% um, of my revenue comes from probably like, I don't know, three or four posts. So those would be the ones that hurt. Uh, And then the 80% comes from other places. I'll also say, and this is where the good news, bad news comes in. I'm ranking number two and three a lot. I'm not always ranking number one. So it kind of sucks. I wish I was ranking number one, but uh, because number one gets 
you know, dramatically more clicks and things. So it'd be great if I was ranking number one. But when you're kind of consistently in the two to three space, you're not seeing huge fluctuations necessarily. Um, that said, I'd be happy to go to number one for a few months and then maybe drop to number two. That'd be a great feeling just to get to number one. Um, and it just depends on the query. Some of them I am, some I'm not. So now that you've optimized this process and you have the system down, you've been doing it for a while. You have a couple people in place. You have a smaller team than most people would expect. What's keeping you from maybe adding two more people in doing this twice as fast? Or even if you don't have the economy of scales, you maybe can still do, you know, 80% and not quite, you know, double your output. But why, why not do a little bit more now that you've proven the model? Like why, what's holding you back? Um, my emails, honestly, it's my email inbox is what's holding me back. Um, because I really, you got to remember in addition to this, I have six other sites. Um, so, uh, those don't give me as many emails as this does, but now because I've grown to this point, I literally get, I would say 10 to 15 emails a day of people saying, Hey, can I guest post on your blog? I don't allow guest posts, by the way. Uh, so people saying that, and then I try to talk to them and negotiate and see if there is anything we can work out, right? Um, so uh, there's that that I deal with. And then I get a lot of different software companies reaching out and saying, hey, can you you know, write a review on our, on, our, on our software, things like that. So then I have to go back and forth with them. So when you add on these other pieces, um, like I said, I used to do four. I think I maybe even did five at a point. Um, but I used to do four posts a week. Uh, and that was just, it was email hell for me. It was just constantly in my inbox. Um, you know, so I, I could definitely scale it up, but I also think there's some, like, I want to keep it reasonable to Google, right? I worry about if I were to scale up way too hard. And let's say I said I was going to do like six posts a week, which I probably could pit like do at this point because I do have the people in place and I could always hire someone else. I probably could. But a part of me thinks, would that look unnatural to Google, right? Is there a point to where this looks unnatural? Because it's like, you're getting so many links. This is just crazy what's happening. Uh, and they would maybe recognize that. I don't know. I can't say for sure. But that's one of the things that I theorize is like, this is kind of the sweet spot for me. It's comfortable. It seems to work. So let's just focus here. And the other thing I will say is that um, I'm also, because uh, one of our professors is doing pretty well. Uh, I wish it was doing a little bit better. And it's so, so, so competitive. So what I've been doing now, now that I have the team in place, I'm pushing a little bit more of my time into a much less competitive niche to where I have a site. And uh, that's actually going really well. And there's a chance that we'll be doing something similar there with the guest posting that we're doing here. So if anything, I learned a ton about this whole process. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the other reasons is it's like I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket. And it's already very expensive to do what I'm doing. Um, I don't even know how many, I mean, if I actually looked, it's probably like six to 7,000 hours a month just for this site in total because of the content costs and everything I'm doing. So my writer's not cheap and, uh, it's pretty pricey. So if I were to increase one extra post a week or two extra posts a week, that cost dramatically goes up. So at this point, you know, for a while I wasn't even profitable with one hour professor. And then I finally got that break even point and now I have some profit. So I just think I'd rather go at this pace because it seems like it's working pretty well and I'm not super overwhelmed and I got a kid coming in a month uh, and I just don't want to have that life. It's really a lifestyle choice, I think, at this point. I'm with you, man. I, I have people all the time that just say, why don't you just hire someone to do X, Y, or Z, which is, that's, I mean, that's a valid point, but it's like not a life that you or I are trying, like we're not trying to hire like a big team. No, just in general. Um, I have an executive assistant who helps out a lot with email. And I, I was going to say, you know, if you made a little bit more, like you probably could hire someone to do like 10 hours a week that like was a real professional that like, you're like, here's our priorities and here's how to negotiate these like five things that come in. If it doesn't fit these five things, throw it out. Like don't, don't even reply back. No. But you don't need to, right? You're, you're doing fine. The, the other thing you said about the, the unnatural and, and Google potentially thinking it's, you know, looks weird. You're getting too many guest posts. I, I don't know. I've never been in this position, but from a thought experiment, I would think of maybe like a site with multiple writers 
or a, a team of people or people collaborating and they're all out doing their own thing and promoting and marketing a site, I could see them getting like multiple posts per week on an ongoing basis if it's a team working on something. But I hear what you're saying. It's not what you're trying to do exactly. So Yeah, and I, I just, I mean, I have no proof of that, right? But that's just like, in my head, I'm like, well, if I were to do this too much and only build links that way, would that be frowned upon? You know, because there's like, I'm working with some folks to do, uh, some, to help me with Haro link building, that sort of stuff right now too. Um, and I just think like, eh, how hard do I want to press down this gas pedal? Um, and like, like with most stuff, and I don't even know if this is a good thing, but most of the things I'm working at, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And this doesn't seem broken at the moment. So I'm just going to keep kind of keep going. I could end up ratcheting it up to four posts per week. I have been considering that as of late because we're so far booked out that I'm like, hey, maybe I should start doing one more a week. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But there is a certain point, especially with the lifestyle thing to where it's just like, I don't really want to, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So I think this is a good point to sort of wrap it up. Any other like broad points about the guest posting campaign or what you've been able to do over the past couple years? Um, I mean, so I don't want people to get carried away with us. So usually when I'm talking to people who are, you know, starting the blogs or, or early on or even a year in, whatever, what I usually say, you know, this particular, this particular site, Right. When our professor is in one of the most competitive places in the entire Internet, I'm confident in saying that you're talking about online business people, the best of the best cream of the crop. Right. It's going to be very, very difficult. So in this particular niche, you need to have a very high domain authority. You know, I have 74. I'd like to get to about 80, 85. That'd be ideal. Um, so in this niche, you need that in other niches. For instance, there's another site that I have. I think my domain authority is like, oh, I don't even know, 30 to 35 in there somewhere. And I have traffic like over 160,000 a month at this point um, because it's a much less competitive niche. And all I ever did with that site was I, I had content written for the first like six months. And then there was like one or two months of link building with guest posts. I think I did five, maybe six guest posts. And that was it. And that site has just grown exponentially. Now it's getting organic links. So the, the thing is, if you're looking at this and thinking, well, I could do this in my niche, I need to do it in my niche, it, it's all relative. It depends on what your niche is. If it's really competitive and all your competitors have a domain rating 70, 80, that sort of thing, sure, you may need to do this at scale. If you are in a much less competitor, competitive area, you probably don't, right? So that, that would be the one thing I'd say is that um, instead of doing it you know, as hard as I have, just it, it all depends on the niche that you're in. So keep that in mind because sometimes you may have a site where you only need to do five of these and all of a sudden the site ranks and gets, you know, does well enough and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. So, you know, that's just some, some food for thought for anybody that is considering this. This is awesome. Where should people find you, Ron? Uh, you can always look on YouTube if you want to find me, but I'm not so active on there anymore. Uh, the best bet would definitely be on the one hour professor, just one hour professor.com website. And, uh, yeah, I'm always around. So and if people haven't checked out your income reports, you've been publishing them since the very beginning when you were losing money each month, it was very sad at the beginning, but now it's, um, just absolutely amazing. And you've tracked it every single month. So there are, I don't know, tens of thousands of words that people can go through and you've mapped it out in the chart. It's very easy to follow. So people can see that you've, you've been in the grinder and, and pushing hard for yeah. a long time. So thanks. And, and actually I do have to say, if you go to Google and you search income reports, now that my domain authority is high enough, I am number one. So I'm super proud of that one. Cause I, you know, it's like, Oh cool. I'm actually up there, but yeah, I've been doing it for some time. So very cool, man. Well, we'll catch up soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks Doug. Thanks a lot to Ron and be sure to check out One Hour Professor. You can look back at all of his income reports and this is always fascinating because he has been publishing these since 2014 or so, uh, maybe 2015. Uh, I'm looking back at the old archive here, but basically I think if you go back, you can see some of the very old ones. I think it is 2014, but anyway, the point is you can see his revenue slowly grow over time and the diversity of the revenue as well, where it started off really from, you know, well, it was almost zero and then it 
started coming in from different sources, mainly one source, and then slowly diversified over time. And you'll see, like we mentioned over and over again, is you have to be patient and the people that are successful tend to stick with it for a little while, for several years, for a long time. And they keep learning new things, exploring different areas, getting better and expanding their skills. And I, I advise you to unsolicited advice, but I guess you're listening to this show, so you do want to hear what I think. Aim for stuff that you are interested in. Ron has liked link building and guest posting and setting up systems to scale that process for years, for several years before he started doing this guest posting campaign for One Hour Professor. And the cool part is because his site is out in the open and you could you know go and look at, see exactly what he published. You can go and analyze the backlinks that he got and see when those were published. You can probably find the publication date on the specific guest post, or you can get somewhat of an idea if you look at Hrefs or a similar tool. So you can really go back and reverse engineer what he's done. Even if you know exactly what he's done, I mean, he, he shared so much in this interview there's still a lot of work if you wanted to replicate it. And it's very difficult, right? It's a long, long-term situation. And he mentioned it. I observed this in conversations with him in our you know, very small mastermind group. Basically, just he and I just catch up every month or so, every two months or so. But there was a ton of work and it was a little bit stressful for him for a little while before he got everything set up. So it's worth it, but it's not overnight, it's not instant, and it takes a little bit of time. Before we head off for today, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. If you have a minute to you know, leave a review or something like that, it's always appreciated. Even better, you could share the show with a friend. There are a lot of people that ask about link building and guest posting, and this is a great case study. Again, a public example where you can go and do all the analysis and reverse engineer the whole situation and see what it takes. It's a shitload of work, but definitely worth it. If you are interested in personal finance and financial independence, one of my other passions currently, I have a show called Mile High Fi. I talk about it all the time. And we publish two shows per week. And kind of fun fact, I haven't mentioned it um, with my recording cadence and how I record some episodes far ahead, but Mile High Fi showed up in the top 100 business podcasts in the United States, not some subcategory, like the legit business category, top 100. We were alongside a bunch of podcasts that are far more professional, a bunch of shows that should not be displayed on the same screen as us, but somehow we weaseled our way in. And then we quickly dropped off. I mean, this was a flash in the pan, not expected at all. I know exactly what it was from, and maybe I'll save that for a future episode. But essentially, a lot of people downloaded the episode. I think a lot of people subscribed. And this, my friends, is probably one of the only actual real inflection points that I've experienced. I'm only about a week and a half from when that happened, or about a week or so, and it's unclear how much the lasting results will stick around, but this could indeed be an inflection point, hopefully one of the many little stair steps that we'll take to you know get more downloads, have a little bit of a bigger reach, and I think, I mean... We got 60 some odd episodes under our belt currently, and we're doing some we're doing some cool stuff. Like we have another show joining the network. It's a more established show. And I think people may pay attention, may pay a little more attention just because we are we're doing things that are a little unusual and trying to put together a network, yet we have no actual plan. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. We had some plans, but then things are a little bit different. And then we were like, ah, maybe we just do this for fun and just make sure we cover costs. We're not like trying to take over the world or anything. We're just trying to record some cool conversations with people we like 
and have conversations with each other. So anyway, just talking about myself a little bit, Mile High Five, there's a link in the description. Would love it if you check that out too. See what all the hype's about. How did we end up in the top 100? I mean, it's just me and my friend talking most of the time. We do have some awesome guests like Mr. Money Mustache. We had Paula Pant on. We had uh, Brian Feraldi, I think is his last name. He just released a book and um, many others. JL Collins, Mr. Money Mustache has been on a couple times. Like we pull guests that are uh, way above our weight class. So, all right, cool. That's it for today. We'll catch you on the next episode. And uh, if you are listening to this very close to the publication date, multi-profit site, my premium flagship course is coming out next week. So it'll be April 18th through, I believe the 22nd, if my calendar memory is serving me properly, 2022. So uh, the cool part is people listen to these shows, uh, you know, years later. So 2022 is the year we're talking about. April 18th through the 22nd. And I open it up a few times a year. So if you're missing it, um, it's okay. It's going to open up again before too long. Catch y'all later on the next episode.